This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Thank you very much. I think it's my first Motzei Shabbat that I've spoken in the shul. Usually I'm in Great Neck, but um, I figured drive to Great Neck or drive three blocks. I'll take the three blocks. So, Baruch Hashem. I want to thank David Cohen Tzedek, who called me 900,000 times. Um, so he made sure that I would be here tonight. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip your minds a little bit. By the way, what's a karacha? A what? A towel's bag? Oh, okay. I put my mouth in my karacha. I'm like, what is that? Okay. All right, so, so we're going we're gonna to change your, your, your minds a little bit, your mind thought a little bit. Everyone, all the rabbis, I, I don't know who spoke before me, whatever it is, but all the rabbis that speak about Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and Slichot, they make it very scary, right? Rosh Hashanah is very scary. Oh, sorry. Okay. Oh, okay. So, Rosh Hashanah is very scary. Yom Hadin. Okay, excellent. So, whether, 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 that was pretty scary. That was a good sound effect. Yom Hadin, din, din, din. Okay, anyway, so, um, life or death, sick or healthy, Children, marriage, everything. So everyone says you have to, and you do have to do tshuva, and you have to get a good lawyer, right? In Shemayim, the malach has to be a good lawyer, your sanega, your protector. But it's very interesting in the Rambam, who talks about tshuva, he has ten chapters in tshuva. goes in a totally different direction. Because... It's very good when you go to a court case if you have the best lawyer. But better, what's better than having the best lawyer? Is getting a good relationship with the judge. Because the lawyer, you're not sure if the judge is going to listen to what he has to say. But if you got the judge in your pocket, if you have a relationship with the judge, if um, a girl, she's speeding, no, not that a girl be speeding, a boy speeding on a Bell Parkway, Right, and he gets a ticket, he gets a summons. I don't know if anyone in this room ever got a summons, but if you have to go to court in Brooklyn, by that, uh, down there by Coney Island, they say guilty before you even walk into the, into the courtroom. Right? So imagine this, girl, this guy gets his ticket, and his friend's are like, are you worried? Did you hire a lawyer? What's your excuse? He goes, look, I'm not worried. They're like, why aren't you worried? He says, because I'm, I'm supposed to be in courtroom number three. That's what it says on my summons. And in courtroom th- number three, the judge is my father. So he'll find, the, he'll find the way for me to get out. So the Ramam says, that's what you want to do. The, the, the days before Rosh Hashanah, you have two days left. You want to you create a relationship with God, with Hashem. And when you walk into the courtroom, and the Satan's like, all right, now we're judging Miriam Basha. And Hashem says, oh, my daughter. The son's like, uh-oh, I'm losing this case. Next. Right? So, so the question is, how do, we, how do we, we deliver, how do we have this relationship? So, you know, many times I, I deal with Svardik. You're all, most of you are Svardim. And you guys are much tougher than the Ashkenaz rabbis. Ashkenaz rabbis are soft. And Svardi rabbis, they say it the way it is. Um, the Rambam was Svardi. So I'm not quoting an Ashkenazic rabbi. I'm quoting the Rambam, and I want to read to you. You're going to blow your minds away, because if you didn't learn this ever, it's very different 
than most of the speeches that you're going to hear. It's very different than the way we're brought up. It's very different than the way we learn in Yeshiva or in Beit Yaakov. And the Ramam says the following. Al Yoimar Adam. A person should not say, Hareini Oyshe Mitzvah Torah, the reason that I'm keeping the mitzvot in the Torah, is Shekabal Kol that I should get a reward. The reason I keep the Torah mitzvot is I should get a reward. I want to go, I want to go to Gan Eden. So I'm going to do good things. So in the next world, I get rewarded. Why don't I want to do bad things? The Air Freshman Haveros. Why don't I want to do Haveros? Because if I do Haveros, I'm going to end up in a very, very bad place. Shalom. I'm going to end up in Gehenim, in a very, very bad place. Says the Rambam that a person is not supposed to do mitzvot for reward in the next world, or you should not do Averis because you're going to get punished in the next world. Ein ro'oi avoid et Hashem al It's not correct to serve God because you're scared of getting punished or because you want a reward. So Rambam. And not only is this a Rambam, this is the 10th chapter. Notice, after all 9 chapters on how to do tshuva, this is what he leaves you with. Do not do mitzvot for reward, and do not, not do averot because you're scared. A person who serves God is like this is serving God from fear. This is not what the rabbis want. The only people that serve God because they're scared, they're going to get in the barbecue in the next world, they're going to throw them into a barbecue, right? You worried about that? What kind of people do that? Amaretz. Fools. Tanim. Little children. It says, because anyone who has das doesn't serve Hashem from fear. But may I have a, someone who serves God from love? We're going to talk about this tonight. Isaac Betaira, he's Isaac Betaira. Love and they double by love. Not for something in this world, not for something in the other world, but just because he loves God. That's why he does what he does. Okay, and I'm going to ask you a very fascinating question. Remind me because I'm a little ADD. Sometimes I forget where I'm going, right? So. Just remind me, if I don't ask a very special question tonight, say, Rabbi Wallerstein, you didn't ask a special question, okay? Well, Malazu, he says, this is the greatest Milo. As it says, What does it say in Kriyashma? That you should love Hashem, Not you should fear God with all your heart and all your soul, but you should love God with all your heart and all your soul. Right, well, see, okay, uh, I hear you, but what does that mean? What does that mean? I should hug Hashem, I should buy him a rose, maybe buy him a nice card. What does it mean to love Hashem? What does it mean? The case said here, Ava Haruya. What does it mean to love Hashem? What's the correct love? You should love him so much. That your soul should always want to be tied to loving Hashem. Now he's going to say something that when I learned this, I almost fell off my chair. So if you fall off your chair, 
It's normal. <laughs> what I'm about to say is not normal. So the Rambam says, what kind of love do you love Hashem? Benimtza, you should be so into God, loving God, that it should make you sick. Where do you say that? In Shir Hashirim. Is it the Minhag to say Shir Hashirim before Shabbos? So in Shir Hashirim, anybody have a Shir Hashirim here, a sitter with Shir Hashirim in it? In your karacha? I like that word. That's such a cool word. Is that is that a um, Persian word? No. no. Oh. Thank you. Don't worry, I'm going to use it in my next speech. You'll see it on Torah anytime. Very sad. Parakeh. Very sad. So Hashem... Thank you very much. My camels are out there. Oh, he's not Rifka. Okay, anyway. So, it says like this. Basi Lagani, Hashem says, Parakeh. I cry when I say this. You should know. When I say this, I really cry. Oh, wow. You can open it for me? Where's the sponge cake? Okay, anyway. So, I'm kidding. So, listen carefully. Basi Lagani, Achosi Kala. I came to my garden, says Hashem. He comes to all of us, all of us, to our hearts, to our souls. Hashem comes to us all the time. What does he call us? Achosi, my sister. Kala, my, my bride. Irisi, Mary, and Besami. I come with my spices, right? And we say, Ani Yishena. I'm sleeping. I'm sleeping. Believe me, air, but my heart is awake. The voice of my loved one, which is Hashem, is banging. He's banging on your soul, all of us. Every time you have a feeling in your heart, I want to change. Hashem, I love you. Right? Where's that coming from? It's coming from Hashem banging on the door of your heart. I'm reading you Shir Hashem. Pischuli, open up! Guys, girls, Hashem says, open up your hearts! The whole year. Open up the door. Not open up your cell phone and your smartphone. I had to stick that in. <laughs> but open up your hearts. Okay? Shem wants to talk to us. Pischuli, open up the door. Achaisi, my sister. Rayasi, my friend. Yanasi, my dove. Tamasi. Shiroishi, nimlo, tal. Hashem says, it's do, do. D-E-W, do. Which is bracha. It's, it's dripping off my head, says Hashem. I, I want to give you some of this b- beautiful dew that I have, right? What do we answer? Sorry, Hashem. Pashati is katainti. I'm already undressed. You know, you knocked on my door, but I'm in bed in my pajamas. I'm not, I'm not getting out of bed getting dressed to open the door. Pashati is katainti. I took off my clothing. Echacha el boshena. You, how should I get dressed? How should I put it on again? I took a shower already. You want me to get up? I'm clean. I'm going to go walk on the floor. I'm going to get my feet dirty. Hashem says, okay. You don't want to open up your heart? You don't want to open up the door? I'm out of here. And he leaves. 
But then everybody, a person goes through some trauma. Someone's not healthy. Someone needs a shiduch. Somebody needs children. Somebody needs a panasa. Then you get out of bed. Then you open the door. I need something. You need me, Hashem? I'm sleeping. Leave me alone. I need you? So, yeah. You need Hashem, so you get out of bed. Okay. Patachti, I need Now I open the door because I need him. But Kashtiu, I'm looking for Hashem. I can't find him. This is so sad. Kurasiv, below Anani. I'm calling to Hashem, and he's not answering me. What's going on here? So this Satan and his whole Chevra, they say, oh, now you need Hashem? Now you woke up? But Sunni Hashemrim has saved him the ear. The Satan with all the Mazikim, with all the bad angels, they surround me. Patsuuni, they hurt me. Nasuas Ridide may Allah, they take my crown off my head. So I want to send a message to God. What do I tell him now? He wanted me to open the door of my heart to him, and I told him, sorry, I'm not getting my feet dirty. I'm not getting up. Now I need him, and I don't seem to be connected. So I want to send God a message. What should I send him? I'm sorry. I'm bad. Nope. I'm kipper. I don't know if you say I You say I hate. Because you don't do a virus. But anyway, I right? I'm so sorry. I'm so bad. Please forgive me. It doesn't work. What works? Shlomo Melech says. Hishpati Eschem Benois Yushalayim says, Kla Yisrael, I, I, I make the daughters of Yushalayim swear. In Timtu is Daidi, if you find Hashem, what should you tell him? Anyone here know what it says in Shir Hashirim? What should you tell God if you find him? That you're sorry? That you're bad? What? You hear? They know. Shechoilas Ahava Ani. That's it. Not that I'm bad, not that I did something wrong, not forgive me, not help me. I have a whole list. I don't want anything, Hashem. I just want to tell you one thing. I am sick in love with you. Could you imagine that? Rosh Hashanah Kippur, sit there. Hashem, I just want to tell you one thing. I'm sick in love with you. This is what Shlomo Melech says in Shirashirim. It's about a relationship. This is what the Rambam says. I didn't write this. In Hilchus Tshuva. He says, what does that mean? How would we explain to men or to women, how would we explain, what is this love, and I'll tell you a crazy story about loving Hashem. What is this love of Hashem? Like, how, how do you understand what that means? Listen to what he said. I could not believe this when I read this. He says the following. It's like a person who can't get his mind off 
Avas Oisi Isha. He's in love with this woman, Rambam. And all he could think about all day is her. Happens to be very fascinating that before I came to here tonight to speak, a young 16-year-old girl came to my house because she's in trouble because her parents caught her talking to a boy online, so she got into big trouble. And the boy's in yeshiva, and she's in Beis Yaakov, and she, you know, we're, we're talking, and I said, you need to know something. This poor guy, this boy, he can't learn. You see, because girls can multitask. A girl could talk to a boy and be in Beis Yaakov and learn and, and do chesed and do 15 different things because Hashem gave women the power to multitask. They could be cooking, holding the baby, feeding the baby, talking on the phone, and, and, and vacuum cleaning all at the same time. We, it's like if, if my wife says, put the dishes in the dishwasher and the phone rings, I can't answer it. I can't do two things at one time. <laughs> Men don't multitask. We cannot multitask. So if there's a girl on your mind, you can't learn. So I told this girl, I just want you to know that Ben Adam Lechavero, you're destroying this boy's life. He's 16, he's in yeshiva, the guy cannot learn. She said, what do you mean he can't learn? He could talk to me and he can learn. I'm like, you're not a guy, you don't understand. We don't do two things at one time. We have a girl in our head, that's it, we're done. We can't do anything else. Girls, yeah, it's not the same. But boys, that's the way it is. So he's saying here in the Rambam that the love you have to have for Hashem is exactly the same thing. It's like, I'm so in love that I cannot do anything else but love you. And he thinks about this woman all the time. Whether he's sitting. Whether he's standing. When he's eating. When he's drinking. That your mamish has to be there all the time. And I have to tell you that any time a guy, one of my tamidim, are going serious with a girl, you can could, you could know right away because they lose a lot of weight. Really, they lose a lot of weight. They can't eat. They lose a lot of weight. Also, I have a guy in my class. He lost 15 pounds. I'm like, you're about to get engaged? What's up? Right? <laughs> the problem is that right after they get married, they gain 30. Right? That's the problem. But they first lose 15 pounds. So, yeah, you can see the mamish walking into walls. I, I dive in many times in Shemr Shabbos in Borough Park. There's a place called Shemr Shabbos. Their last mire of minion is at 3 o'clock in the morning. So for all the people who get off planes and, 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 and coming from other places or in the hospital, mamish 3 o'clock. But like... The, the two o'clock minion, if you see a young guy at the two o'clock minion, he's clean shaven, he's wearing a suit, he smells good, you know that he's, he's very seriously dating because that means he dropped the girl off and he first got to show at two o'clock. So I told, I know I have a friend that's a photographer, I'm like, listen, sit, go to the two o'clock minion, you'll book weddings. Like, hello, the two o'clock minion is full of chasanim. So what he's saying over here, can anybody in this room raise their hand and say you have the relationship with God that you can't eat, you can't sit, you can't drink? He's on your mind all the time. That's where we got to go, says the Rambam. Fear? Fear is not a good relationship. If a wife fears her husband, that's not a good relationship. If a husband fears his wife, definitely not a good relationship. <laughs> if kids fear their parents, that's not a relationship very easy to tell someone, if you do this, I'm going to punish you. That doesn't mean they love you, but if someone, beautiful thought. Beautiful thought. Dabra Melech says, Hashem b'simcha. You should love Hashem with happiness. He also says, Hashem You should love Hashem with fear. How can that be? How can you do both? It means the, the fear of hurting the person that you love. The fear of hurting the person that loves you. It's not a fear of getting punished. It's on a much different level. Hashem, 
You give me life. You give me everything. I fear to do something that's against what you want. I don't fear that you're going to burn me. And that's not Judaism, that you're going to go to Gehenna, and we're going to fry you, and then we're going to turn you over, and make sure that you're well done, and then we're going to fry you again. And you know what? Maybe you don't even deserve Gehenna, so you're not even going to get into Gehenna, you're going to fly around the world, and you're going to be a dibbuk, and you're going to be in a rock, and you're going to be in a fly, and you're going to be in a mosquito, and you're going to be in a gilgul, and you're going to come back a hundred You think that's what the relationship Hashem wants to have with you? If you're just a mean, angry, vengeful God? That's what he wants you to walk into Rosh Hashanah. <laughs> it's Rosh Hashanah, don't hurt me. That's what, that's what a father wants from his children. Rosh Hashanah is a yantif. It says when you leave shul, you're supposed to be singing and dancing and sit down and have a fat meal. What are you talking about? It's the day of judgment. Maybe I'm going to die. Maybe I'm going to get cancer, Chas Vishalom. Maybe I'm going to get very sick. What do you mean go home? And drink wine and have duck and I don't know what else. And dip the apple in the honey and say, I want to make a lot of money. I don't know what you say. Whatever. <laughs> what are you happy about? You came out of court. You don't know what, he, what the judgment is. The crew ain't my aid. You're not supposed to walk out of shul. <sighs> Please don't hurt me. But that's what we're taught. Go to school, they warn you. Gehenna. You're lucky if you get to Gehenna. Lucky. <laughs> even let you in, you're lucky. You're not flying around. I remember when I was in school, it was like they were talking about Gilgul and my Rebbe, it was like, get punished, and if you if you mavatal you're going to become a fly, and you're going to be stuck in a fly, and then this fly landed on my desk, and I'm like, hey, Chaim, what's up? <laughs> you should have gone to Yeshiva and concentrated on what you were doing. Sorry, I'm going to be the only speaker like this to tell you this, probably, because fear is very easy. That's not what Hashem wants. I'm a tati. I'm a dad. I'm a father. I don't want my kids to be scared that I'm going to beat them and burn them and hurt them and give them sicknesses and pain. So the 10th parak in the Rambam, not me, if I said this, they would throw me out of town. The 10th parak in the Rambam, after nine prakim of tshuva and kares and everything else, the 10th parak says... Oh no, you're dealing with God out of fear? Wrong. It's not what he wants. You should be so in love with him that you can't sit straight. When you walk out, Hashem, the sun, amazing. I can see, I can smell, I can hear, I can, I can walk, I can move my hands. That's amazing, the five senses Hashem gave me, that when I taste something, my tongue sends messages to what it tastes like. A person who has no taste, he doesn't eat. A person who can't hear lives in a world without sound, without music. A person who can't see lives in a world without color, without vision. A person who can't walk, can't stand up, is sitting in a wheelchair. Hashem, you get up in the morning, my gosh, you've got to be madly in love. Yeah, there's trauma and there's stuff, and there's stuff that we go through. But it's okay, Hashem, because I know that you love me. If my relationship's out of love, I'll deal with it. It must have a reason. It must be good for me. I always tell the story. This boy used to come to Yeshiva and show off and tell all the boys that his father and him have the best relationship in the world. A lot of the kids didn't have such good 
relationship with their parents. They were all jealous of him. Because my father bought me this, and my father bought me that. And they, they were very jealous. So one of the boys said, you know what? I don't believe you. I'm going home with you. I want to meet your father. I don't think you're telling the truth. Okay? So he comes home. The father's not home yet. They're playing ball outside. They come in. They're very thirsty. And there's a glass, a glass on the table with looked like water in it. And the, the, the son, who talked about his father all the time, says, oh, wow, I am so thirsty. And he takes the gl- glass of, of water, and he's about to drink it. And his father says, no, Chaim! Whack! Slams his hand. Cup goes flying all over the place. And the friend says, yo, your father loves you. Your father, look what he just did to you. My father never did that to me. I'm going to tell everyone in school that your father hates your guts and you're full of baloney. What father slaps a glass of water out of his kid's hands? And the kid runs, he's going to tell everyone in yeshiva the next day. The boy looks at his father and says, Ta, first of all, you embarrass me by doing this. And second of all, why can't you let me take a drink? I was very thirsty. His father says, Ay, 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 if you would have drank. Your mother asked me to go downstairs to get a cup of Clorox bleach so that she could put it in the washing machine. And I put it on the table. And you walked in, you would have drank a glass of bleach. You would have, you would have been dead and you would have died a very bad death because it would have burnt your whole esophagus. Baruch Hashem, I got to slap you. And the kid says, I knew it. I knew you loved me. But I don't know how I'm going to sell this tomorrow to all my friends. That's one level of a moon. You know what a real level of a moon is? The minute the father slapped his hand, he turns to the father and says, oh, I guess it's Clorox. That's real a moon. Not... Ta, why did you do it? No. The minute he slapped out his hands, oh, that stuff must be bad for me. That's relationship with Hashem. Why? Because if I get up every day and you give me this, you give me this, you give me this, that's amazing. So whatever you don't give me, there must be a reason for it. My favorite story, well, one of my favorite stories, I got a lot of stories, but one of my favorite stories, let me just tell you the question that I I wasn't going to ask you because I'm ADD, but now I'm going to ask you because I am ADD. And then I'll tell you the story. And if I don't tell you the story, then you'll remind me I was going to tell you the story because I'm ADD. I forgot the story. Okay. All those that are in the room that are ADD, you understand exactly what I'm saying. All those who don't, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Okay. So, this little boy, he was a miserable baseball player. Nobody wanted him on their team. He always struck out. So, on the block where they lived, they used to have every night a baseball game. And you can't play. I don't want you on my team. He's an automatic strikeout. And it was mentally getting him very depressed. He didn't have self-esteem. And his mother was, like, very upset. What am I going to do with him? Um, I have to send him to a therapist. Therapist is $200 in 45 minutes. I don't know if therapist can be able to help him. He doesn't know how to play baseball. What's the therapist going to do? Right? <laughs> so she's like, she saw an advertisement in the paper in a sporting goods store that there's a bat, a bat, a baseball bat, that's called the super bat. And if you touch the ball with that bat, you get a home run. It has some stuff in it that you just have to touch it. Boom, goes over the fence. The kid was no good, but he could touch the ball. So she's all excited. She comes to Model Sporting Goods. I think they're out of business, but whatever. She comes to Model Sporting Goods, and she says, do you have the super bat? And he says, yep, you have the super bat. How much is it? $100. Okay, therapy's $200, so that's only $100. So she buys the bat. She comes home. Chaim, I bought you something. 
What'd you buy me? What'd you buy me? What'd you buy me? I bought you the super bat. The super bat? The one where you touch the ball and it's always a home run? Yeah, I bought you the super bat. Oh, 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 let me see. Okay. She gives him the super bat, brand new metal aluminum super bat. And she goes, go outside and they'll choose you in because everyone's going to want to use the super bat. And he takes the bat and he whacks his mother. Again. He takes the bat and he whacks his mother. And then he whacks his mother again. And her friend, her friend standing there, the mother's friend, she goes, what are you doing? Take the bat away from him. He's crazy. He's going to break every bone in your body. And she's like, relax. Relax. He'll stop hitting me. He'll go outside. He hit a home run. He'll never hit me again. And the guys are going to play with him if he, if he feels like he has to hit me a little bit. Now, this is not my shinnah, but this is how the story happened, right? <laughs> I would hit him back. But anyway, it's not my shinnah. This is what happened. Boom! 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 The, the friend's like, stop him! She goes, okay, Chaim, that's enough. You're breaking my bones. He goes, okay, I'm going outside, ma. Goes outside. The friends are like, oh, super bad. Chaim says, I go first. Touches the ball. Home run. Everybody wants to bat. Everybody wants to play. Baruch Hashem, Chaim is still playing. Terrible story. Especially, they, they really don't like this story. You guys are like, all right. <laughs> so, all of us in this room, including Rabbi Wallerstein, we do this every single day. Not to our mother, not to our father, to Hashem, to God. God gives you a bat. It's called life. Every morning, gives you life. Modani. Here's a bat. Go hit a home run. Go hit a home run. Gives us the bat to hit a home run. Gives you life. Right? Nothing extra in this world. There's nothing extra in this world. The Gemara says there's not a leaf of a, a, a blade of grass that's extra in this world. Everything in this world has a malach. A wave, a grain of sand, a blade of grass, a leaf. Everything has a malach. Hashem has nothing extra. That's why jealousy is so dangerous. Why? It's, it's a very weird lush. It says that if you're jealous, it takes you out of the world. If you want to tell me that jealousy causes death, so say, it, it, it'll kill you. Jealousy will kill you. Why, why does it take you out of the world? Because Hashem has nothing extra. He has no duplicates. So if I want to be like Him, means that I don't want to be an individual. I want to be a copy of Him. Hashem has no copies. So if you're jealous of someone else, you're taking yourself out of the world. Hashem doesn't need you. Every one of us is an individual. So if you want to be a duplicate, He has no duplicates. There's no two blades of grass. As you know, there's no two snowflakes that touch each other. There's no duplicates in this world. Everything has a malach. Very famous story. There were two rabbis and a leaf fell off a tree. And the rabbi said, you see, the Gemara is not true. Because once the leaf is off the tree, the leaf is dead. Hashem doesn't need that in the world. The rabbi said, let's go look under the leaf. It's a famous story. They picked up the leaf. There's a little one of those green inchworms that was dying because the sun was drying it out. And the leaf saved the, the worms. There's nothing extra in this world. So everybody in this room, there's no reason to ever be depressed. When you wake up in the morning, the first thing you say is, Moda'ani, why are you thanking Hashem? Because if I woke up this morning, it means that I am not extra. Wow. 
That means that God needs me today, today, I don't know tomorrow, but today God needs me in his world. More than Ilfanach Hashem, I can't believe it. You're God and you need me, little Wallstein, a worm food? Like, what am I? I'm nobody, I'm nothing. God of the world needs me? Yo, whoa, hello, stop. God, that's amazing. Let me go look in the mirror. Hey, mirror, mirror on the wall, why does God need me in the world? And you better figure out why. Not, not, not to watch a movie, for sure not. Not to be on your WhatsApp status. By the way, you're all going to find out Rosh Hashanah what your status really is, not your phone. In Shemayim, they're going to write your status, not, what's my status on my phone? No, that's not what's going to happen. But the Sultan's going to put a big print up, now he has something new. Now, I, when I was growing up, he didn't have it. She used Verizon 4,280 minutes this year. Hashem's like, what did I give her time to be on Verizon? She could spend time in Shemayim. She doesn't have to spend time on Verizon. I have a flip phone. I try not to do any minutes. So when the Sultan puts my, my, list, my thing up there, it's like, wow. He don't got a lot of minutes on the phone. I don't got WhatsApp. I don't got MySpace, MySpace, my this, my that. I don't got movies. People are like, Rabbi Wallerstein, you have to have Facebook. You have to have followers. I'm like, I'm not Moses. <laughs> I don't have to have followers. But you could be Makar of so many more people. I'm like, baloney. Hashem, whoever I'm supposed to be Makar of, I don't have to have technology to be Makar of anybody. Just the opposite. I'll end up being on who knows what all day long. The news and yeshiva world and who got engaged and all this other baloney, which has nothing to do with real life. Not my speech tonight. You're lucky it's not my speech tonight. That's not my speech. Technology is not my speech. I have to put it in there a little bit because you're going to have a din v'cheshbon about it, but yeah. Anyway, so Hashem gives us life and every single day, whoever, whoever wakes up in the morning, Hashem's saying, you are not, what's your name, first name? Ruve. Ruve, Ruve you are not extra. Isn't that a good feeling? Your mom is not extra. There's, there's no one in the world that could do what you could do today. Wow, that's like crazy. How do people get depressed? Well, how do you get depressed? You look in the mirror and Hashem said, I'm not extra. Now you've got to figure out what you need to do that you're not extra. And at night before you go to sleep, you have to think about, so what did I do today that made me special in this world that Hashem needed me? Helped my mother, helped my father, made someone smile, helped a kid, made a bracha. I don't know, whatever it is, there's a lot of different things. But before you go to sleep at night, you should think in your head, what did I do today? Did I do anything that there was a reason for me to wake up this morning? And that's called a, a din v'cheshmen. So Hashem gives me the eyes to look at the things I shouldn't. So isn't that a baseball bat? I'm using it to hit him. He gave me the eyes. He gave me the bat. And instead of going out and looking at Torah and Tefillah and, and, and to help people, I took these eyes I watched the movie, so I took my eyes that Hashem gave me, and I whacked Hashem. I'm like, you gave me eyes? Whack! Look, I'm going to look at something I shouldn't. You gave me feet? I'm going to go somewhere I shouldn't. You gave me ears? I'm going to listen to Lush and Hara and to some rap music. Yo, kill your mother, your brother. I don't know what to <laughs> That's why Hashem gave me ears, to hear some guy rap. Mean, evil, angry, gangster rap. I don't even understand. One of the girls in my school, I have a school like, whatever... And she's like dancing down the hall. And I'm like, what are you listening to? That's definitely not Shweki. Right? And she's like, oh, Rabbi, you want to hear? I'll share my bud with you. N- not, 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 the, uh, not the alcohol bud. Not, not Budweiser. My bud. Right? I'm like, okay, let me hear what you're listening to. And she puts it in my ear. 
She got one in her ear. I got one in my ear. It doesn't say anywhere in halacha there's something wrong with that. Right? And I'm listening to this guy curse, every curse in the world, yelling and screaming. And I'm like, ah, I need my meds now. Give me some meds. That's why Hashem gave you ears? To listen to that garbage? To listen to Lush and Hara? That's why he gave you ears? He gave you eyes to watch things you shouldn't watch? He gave you a taste and a mouth to eat things that are not kosher? So what are you different than the guy with the bat? You're hitting him with the things he gave you. Why are you different than the guy with the bat? You're the same, you're the same as the kid. When I said it over here, the ladies were like, <gasps> well, we do it every day. Do it all day. That you got to do tshuva on. That you got to write a little note. I write a note before every, before every Yom Kippur. I write a note to Hashem what I'm going to do different this year. Because I want to give him a reason to give me another year. Why should he give me another year? Right? So I write something that I'm going to be macabre, and the next year I open the envelope and see if I kept it. Did I keep half of it? Did I keep any of it? And if I didn't, then I need to do tshuva on that. But I write, it, I write a note to Hashem, because I love Hashem. So I want to do something extra for him. You love your wife? You want to do something extra for her. You want to buy her a present. What's present? What's a present? Present means it's extra. It's not something that she expects. It's something extra. It's something special. So what's my, what's my present to the God who gives me life? I want to give him something extra. Maybe I'll learn a little bit more. Maybe I'll answer more phone calls. I'll return more phone calls that I don't return. Maybe I'll help people more. Whatever it is, but I've got to do something different so that I know I'm not going to be on the unemployment line. Unemployment line, Shema, is you're dead. When you're unemployed, you're not here anymore. So you want to be employed, so give him a reason to employ you. And he's got many different things that you can do. You can help a little kid. There's a lot of different, there's a lot of stuff that you can do. But you write another note. Put it in the envelope. That way, the next year, you see if you kept it. And then you write another note. You've got to fight for life. And the way you fight for life is giving a reason that Hashem should give you the light and telling Hashem that I appreciate and I love you and I love everything that you do for me and I love that I could see and I could hear and I love all this. And Hashem, I'm not going to be that little kid with the baseball bat. I'm going to take this life that you're giving me and I'm going to use it to hit a home run. And why do people live another year after a whole year they sinned? Because Hashem's like much bigger than that mother. Hashem's like, you can hit me, and you can hit me, and you can hit me, and you can hit me. And the mission picker says, you can keep hitting me because I am waiting for the moment you stop hitting me and you use your eyes for the right reasons and you use your ears and your mouth and all your five senses for the right reasons. And I know that one day you're going to do that, so I'm going to take the beating because I know that once you do that, your life is going to change. And that's why the mission picker says that Hashem says, I will wait till the last second for you to come to me. So even if you beat me up a whole life for 80 years, you're hitting me with the bat, are you doing everything wrong that you're not supposed to be doing because of the life I give you? I'm like the lady. I trust you're going to go out there one day and you're going to do a mitzvah and you're going to hit a home run and you're going to flip. You're going to change your whole life around. It's a relationship with Hashem. So the question that I was telling you is in seminary last week, I asked the girls the following question. And I'm asking you the question, and you don't have to answer it. You, everyone will have their own answer in their own head. You don't have to raise your hand and answer. What happens if Eliohan Navi came tonight and told us all, Ganeiden is full. No matter how many mitzvahs you do, you're not getting Ganeiden. There's no more room. Sorry. But on the other side, 
Gehenna was also full. So no matter how bad you are, no matter what very you do, you're not going to get punished. These guys are smiling. They don't like the first part. They like the second part. <laughs> no reward. No punishment. I asked the girls, how would, you, how would your life change? Whew, it was tough. I gave him 24 hours to think about it. I didn't have to think about it. I don't do anything for, this, for, for the next world. Nothing. I'm not interested in the next world. I'm interested in this world. I don't, I don't do anything because I'm scared Hashem's going to burn me. And I don't do anything because I think Hashem's going to reward me. So Gehenim could be closed and Ganadin could be closed. It doesn't make one drop of difference because that's what he says here in the Ramam, Perek Yud, that you shouldn't do anything for, for being scared of being punished. So Gehenim's closed. And you shouldn't be, do anything because you're being rewarded. So Ganadin's closed. That's what he's saying over here. And that shouldn't change your life. Somebody came over to me a few weeks ago and said, Reverend Wallstein and Shul, I helped his daughter very much. He said, I'm Makana Yoganeden. I'm Makana Yoelam Haba, which means, Rabbi Wallstein, I'm jealous of your portion in the next world. That's what he said to me. He's not, it's a compliment. No, it's not nice. I don't think so. I said to him, Don't be jealous of my portion in the next world. You have no idea what I did as a kid. Now, you don't even know if I have a portion in the next world. Don't ever be jealous of someone's portion. You don't know, you don't know what I do behind the door. You don't know anything about me. But if you want to be jealous of me, you can be jealous of my Olam Hazah, what I have in this world. He's like, you got a Range Rover? I'm like, nope, I got a Dodge. He says, what, like, what an Olam Hazah? Like, you're into Olam Hazah? I'm like, my Olam Hazah is helping someone. My Olam Hazah is not making money or driving a car. My Olam Hazah is when I'm able to help someone, when someone says... You change my life. You save my life. Make someone smile. I can't do that in the next world. I can't make nobody smile in the next world. I can't help anyone in the next world. I'm not interested in the next world. I don't serve Hashem for the next world. And the next world, for me, is a downer. Because in the next world, you sit and learn all the time in Yeshiva Shalmaila, and I'm ADD. What am I going to do? Right? I don't work for the next world. This world, you could help someone? Make an autistic kid smile? A Down syndrome kid smile? Your wife smile? Your parents smile? Somebody in the street smile? You can help someone through a crisis? Wow, that's amazing! Much bigger than the next world. Now, I didn't make this up. You can say, right, Watson, you're not Picaris. I believe in the next world. But the mission in Picaris says, Yafa Shah Achas, one second in this world is greater then uh, one second of good deeds and tshuva in this world is greater than the whole next world. I didn't say that. The Mishnah says that. I understand the Mishnah because in the next world you can't do nothing. But here, you can give tzedakah. You can help people get married. You can make someone smile. You can give someone hope. Wow! You want to be jealous? Be jealous of this world. Be jealous of the next world. This is what the Rambam is saying here. And I want to read you the end, the end, the end of tshuva. That's it, the last word of tshuva, according to the Rambam. This is how he ends. He says the following. All the way to the end. Dava Yudua Ubara. It's very clear. You can't get to love Hashem. Actually, Unless you think about him all the time, and you let go of everything else in the world but him. 
Technology, and this is what he's saying over here. You let go of everything. There's no technology. There's nothing but you, Hashem. Ain od Mavada. Doesn't mean there's no one like you. It means there's nothing but you. It's all you. I don't have anything else in this world. Like it says, You need to think. If you spend time and you meditate, and therefore he ends. Last words. Therefore, a person has to to spend time to understand through nature, through things, through, through learning, and we'll finish with this. According to your level of thinking, and that's how he ends, that a person has to meditate, has to think about his relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and, and, and what does that mean? So let me explain to you what that means, and we'll end with this. I'm not great enough, I wish I was, to see God through learning. I learned, I learned a lot, I prepare shiurim, but it's more brainiac stuff. It's more thinking. I don't, I don't see Hashem. What do I mean I don't see Hashem? How many of you see Hashem when you learn and when you daven? Or you're just doing it because you have to do it? Right? How many of us pray out of the sitter? How many of us go to sleep at night, sit at the Ezra bed and say, I love you! And your wife's like, thank you. And you're like, no, I'm talking to Hashem, but okay. I did this test in my seminary last year. I said, how many girls can go out into the street where on East 23rd and V, and there's a public school right across from us, and the kids were all in public school two years ago. And I said, how many of you were ready to go out in the middle of the street and yell in Shemayim, I love you, Hashem, you are amazing. And they're like, Rabbi, can't do that. I'm like, really? Watch. And I have it on video. I went outside. I have no problem. I went outside in the middle of the street, across from the public school, screaming at the top of my lungs, I love you, Hashem! You're amazing! And the girls are like, "Ah, ah." I'm like, it's the problem. It's the God of the world. When they they see a movie, a superstar, you know, a rock and roll guy, everyone's like, ah! But when you see Hashem in the morning, how many people walk out of their house, look up at the sky and say, ah! It's like, okay, all right, I have a headache, I don't know if we're going to make it today. Where's my coffee? I had a vikuach. You know what a vikuach is? Uh, uh-huh. Not an, not, it's not an argument. It's like a disagreement. Disagreement. So I was supposed to speak in this very fancy, classy, Jewish girls' high school in Manhattan. Not Manhattan, but in Manhattan. And I was supposed to go on a Wednesday. And they called me up. Uh, we have a schedule problem. We're going to the MoMA on Wednesday. MoMA is the Museum of, of Modern Art, Arts, Culture. I'm like, oh. <laughs> could, you, could you come on Thursday? True story. Can you, can you come on Thursday? I'm like, okay. MoMA goes before me. No problem. Anyway, so they went to the MoMA. Came back the next day. I'm speaking to the 11th and 12th grade girls, and they're all in the room. I'm like, so? How'd it go? They're like, amazing. Amazing. When girls say that, like, it was amazing. I'm like, should I, should I go? I, have, I, I teach boys also. I'm like, should I take my boys? <gasps> to show them. 
there's, there's, there's women not dressed. There's sculptures. There's women not dressed. And there's paintings. Mama, no clothing. Guys, sculptures of guys, no clothing. It's not like they cover them up. Like, you know, it's the MoMA. No, Rabbi Wasson, you can't go there. No, you cannot go there. I'm like, so why could you? Why could you go there? And they're like, it's culture. <laughs> they went on a culture trip. I'm like, so I'm not cultured? <laughs> well, I know you don't understand. It's, it's different. You can't go. It's like a subject for us. And I'm like, oh, so the Sultan told you, you can look at someone not dressed if it's a subject. So all of a sudden, people are going to pick up that subject. Imagine college, right? And there is such art, and you, they go to these things, and their mom is not dressed, right? But that's the it's a hurry. You put a word on it. Culture. Oh, then we can do it. Everything's culture, right? The body is culture. We are the ugliest being on the earth. You know that? It talks about it. In, Zaria talks about it. Physically, we're the ugly. If we were in a zoo in a cage, there's not one animal that would come look at us. We don't have fur. We don't have colors. You're not a lion or a tiger. Those, those are beautiful animals. You're not a giraffe. Ugh. And it says if you would peel, they even did this in the Natural Museum of History, if you would peel the one-eighth of inch of skin that you have off a person, you are one ugly being. Your, your, your liver does not, is not a pretty sight. And all your other organs are not pretty sights. We're pretty much the ugliest being in the world. So like, art, no art. Do me a favor, Okay. Anyway, so I was ready, if I hitched, I was ready angry, because the moment came before Wallerstein, I was <laughs> insulted. So I said, so this one girl says, but Rabbi, very cultured girl, but Rabbi, you know, forget about the, the paintings of the, I don't want to use the word not dress, but there's a word for it, right? Um, and, and, the, and the sculptures, forget about that. By the way, guys, don't go, because I said this tonight. Oh, they have people like that, and we're going to the MoMA. All of a sudden, there's a short trip to the MoMA. <laughs> Don't get me in trouble in the next world, guys, right? Right, well, as he said, we should go to the MoMA. Anyway, so she says, there was a painting of a farmhouse, maybe it's still there, and a lake and some cows. And the, the artist captured the reflection in the lake that he painted of the sky and the clouds and the reflection of the cows in the water at Red Wallstein is the most amazing thing you ever saw in your life. She was like, that's what I saw. That's what, that's what I saw. I'm like, you're really amazed by this? She goes, yeah, I was really amazed by this. So now they're challenging me because I, I said, it's not culture, and they, it is culture, and it's the old Wallstein, you know, not saying what you want to hear. So I said, let me ask you something. The, the sky and the reflection. Did, did you ever come out of your house and look up at the sky and the clouds and scream, Oh my God, what a painting! I said, the painter painted a duplicate. The original is the sky and the cow and the water that Hashem created. So he's the original, him you give no attention. He doesn't mean nothing. There's nothing special about him. But the artist, whoa, moma, 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 moma. <laughs> Did you ever look up at the sky and say, God, this is the most amazing original I ever saw, green grass and flowers in my front yard and a sun and a sky and there's wind on my face. Where does wind come from? Amazing. No. Painting. Ooh. Now, this girl is very intelligent. And she came back at me. And she said, you missed my point. 
I'm like, what's your point? That he, as a human, was able to paint it. That's what's amazing. She got me. In other words, yeah, Hashem did all that, but that a guy could capture this is amazing. And the rest of the class go, ooh. <laughs> and I'm like, so let's talk about the painter. How did he even see what he painted? Hashem gave him the eyes. How did he get from his brain to his hand? Hashem gave him the brain, gave him the hand. By the way, who created the colors in the world? The way Gabiv, right? Red, orange, yellow. I don't want to show off. Whatever. All the seven colors in the world. Who created the colors? Hashem created the colors. Who created paint? Hashem created paint. Who created the canvas? Hashem created the canvas. He created his brain, his eyes, his hands, and everything. Big deal that he could do it. Hashem gave him all the computer, right? Hashem gave the computer all the parts that it needed. You're just missing the point. You're not connecting with Hashem. You're connecting with the duplicates. By the way, anyone who I collect paintings, who collects art, knows a duplicate is $4 and the original is $40,000. Duplicate's worthless. They make duplicates all the time. So when you come to Shoshana, which, is, which Hashem created six days before Rosh Hashanah, Hashem created the world, part, and that's what he's saying over here, part of the connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu is through his Bria. Is through, I don't, again, I don't have the level that I could look at a Gemara, but I was in the Amazon two months ago. Oh my gosh, I went with nine guys into the Amazon where there's no civilization, just people who eat people. <laughs> Baruch Hashem, they're not into kosher meat. We made it, it wasn't a problem. But it was amazing to see that every single animal has what to eat. It's not, it's not normal. We were, we were walking through the desert, we, we were walking through the jungle, and there's, there's a lot of mosquitoes in the Amazon jungle. Very dangerous, there's malaria, there's, there's, there's yellow fever. So we took shots, and we took all this other stuff, and, and we, we sprayed ourselves with, uh, with off, with, uh, it has neat uh, 60%. Mama's spraying from head to toe with this stuff stunking. And, and we go into the forest, and the Amazon guide, he's laughing at us, because as much as we spray, the mosquitoes are still coming at us. <laughs> They're Amazon mosquitoes. They're not scared of off, right? It's not New York. It's not New York mosquitoes. These are Amazon mosquitoes. These guys are big, right? And we're like, like this. And he's laughing at us. And we come in the woods. It's a half an hour in the woods. We come to this tree. It's got like a big nest on it. And he has a machete. I'm, I'm in the front of the line. There's 10 of us. Because I'm next to the guy with the machete. Because they got tarantulas and they got crazy snakes. And I'm like... I'm not in the back. All of a sudden, Wallerstein disappears in the quicksand. I'm right next to this guy. He's with this machete this big. And I'm like right behind him the whole time. And they're like, how are you keeping up? I'm like, I'm just going to stay right behind him. So he comes to this nest. Maybe with it. We don't, we don't see this because we live here. And he takes the machete and he cuts the nest. And there's a million ants. Not little ants. They don't make little ants over there. They're like big ants. Like they're uncles. Like big guys. Right? <laughs> And he takes, puts his hands, I have pictures of this, he puts his hands into the nest. And there are millions of these ants climbing up his arms. I'm like, what is this guy doing? Right? And they get up to his shoulders, the whole hand. And then he pulls them out, his hands out of the nest, they're, they're all over the tree, and he kills all the ants, right? And the blood, he goes on his arms, on his neck, on his face. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> And he says, these ants eat mosquitoes. So when mosquitoes smell their blood, they don't come near you. I'm like, let's go! <laughs> let's go! Like, Hashem, Hashem, look at this guy. He doesn't go to a drugstore and buy off 
and spray himself. You know they don't get cancer there? They don't get any diseases there? Nothing. Zero. No one has cancer. Women give birth. No hospital. No doctors. We were eight hours by boat to the next city. We were deep, deep in the jungle. They have some kind of leaf that if you eat, it, it makes you get a 105 fever, get very, very sick. And for four days you have this fever. And if you have cancer, it seems to be that over 104 it kills the cancer. I said, why don't they give that? Why don't they sell that to America? He says, the big drug companies would never let. So they, they live off the earth. No doctors, no medicines, no flu, strep. You don't know what I'm talking about. Nothing. And I was standing there. I was like, this is such godless. We, we got up in the morning at 5 o'clock. We're on the Amazon River at 5 o'clock in the morning. And we're singing Ms. Mashili on my Shabbos. And I'll end with this because this is a, a bracha for Mashiach. I just want to tell you something about the learning. I had a, I had a Rosh Hashiva. His name was Shmuel Birnbaum. It was Rosh Hashiva in Mir. I don't know if any of you ever went to Mir. It was Rosh Hashiva in Mir. One of the Kailo guys who was in Kailo for like 40 years, like forever, his wife had stage 4 pancreatic cancer. They gave her three weeks, four weeks. He went to the Rosh Hashiva. They said this by the Rosh Hashiva Shiva. He went to the Rosh Hashiva and he said to the Rosh Hashiva, they're giving my wife three, four weeks. I'm learning for 40 years. If she dies... I can't learn anymore. She was making the panasa. She was making the living. She took care of the kids. She just wanted her husband to learn forever. He said, Rashi, we have to do something. If I, if I lose her, I, I don't know how to take care of my family. And I definitely can't learn anymore. Rashi <laughs> said, I'm not, a, I'm, not a, I'm not a rebbe. And I'm not a baba. I don't do I don't do wifes. I don't do wifesin. I'm a Rashi. I said, I don't learn. I, I, he said, Rebbe, please, I'm begging you. I'm learning 40 years. You have to do something for me. He said, okay, I'll daven. I'll daven. Two weeks later, she's very sick. There's some kind of trial, some test, new drug, whatever, in Belgium. 20 people are going to be tested, being that she was anyway not going to live. She was one of the 20. 10 got placebos. 10 got the real thing. Two of them made it. His wife made it. This medicine, of course, it wasn't the medicine because all the other people died. Hashem made a mifus, made a miracle, and it started to regress, regress, till she finally got a PET scan or whatever scan she got that she was clean. Mamish nes nifla nifla. So he goes back to the Rosh Hashiva. And he says to the Rosh Hashiva, I guess you are a Makobol. You did such a miracle. I know that you, it had to do with you. Everyone else died except one other woman. It's, it's Mamish. Rosh Hashiva said, I'll t- I really don't want to tell you, but I think you should know what I did. I'm not a Mephist. I don't want you to start telling people and lining up people that I'm a Mephist and I'm a Makobo and that I'm a Rebbe. I'll tell you what I did. He said, I opened my Gemara after you left me. I opened my Gemara. There was a Machlekes in my Gemara between Abai and Rava. Those are the many, there's Abai and Rava and the Shmuel, right, and Rav, but me. He said, he said, I looked at the Gemara. I said, listen, Abaya, I got to talk to you. Abai and Rav, I got to talk to you. Every single day, almost, I talk to you every day. Not I learn, I talk to you every day. There's a, there's a man, there's a, there's a Kylo person in my, in, my, in my yeshiva that talks to you also, all the time. His wife is very sick. If she dies, he won't be able to talk to you so much. Maybe you could go in front of Hashem, the Kisar Kavod, and tell Hashem you want, to, you want to continue talking to him and do something. He said, I didn't do anything. I'll buy him over. They went in front of Hashem. I'm not on that level. But when the Rosh Hashiva learned, he was talking to them. When he learned Chumash, 
And it says that Moshe Rabbeinu is talking to Moshe Rabbeinu. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a different level of seeing Hashem through Tyra. It's a, it's an unbelievable level. If you can get to that level, amazing. It's definitely a connection. The more you talk to Hashem, the definitely more that you can connect it. I, through nature, what they call nature, there's no such thing as nature, I see Hashem's hand through His creations. It's not normal. That's what the Rambam says, that if you can, study His creations, and, and you'll realize that there's got to be a God, there's got to be a creator. Because if there's a creation, there has to be a creator. And we know that. I'm not doing this tonight. I, 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 I do this. I'm actually going to do this on Rosh Hashanah because I'm going to Minnesota. I'm actually, there's a Reformed temple that's coming to the... It's a great story. Whatever. But, you know, they don't believe in anything. And I'm going to show them that, that, you know, there are four things that make things grow. Water, earth, air, and the sun. Right? Those are the four elements that make things grow. If you... I have in front of my house a little mint plant and a little lemongrass plant, whatever, for tea. If you crush them both and you smell the mint, it smells like mint. You crush the other one, they're right next to each other. It smells from lemongrass. I always wondered, where does the mint come, the smell come from? Earth has no smell. Water has no smell. Air has no smell. And the sun has no smell. So how could something have smell? How does a rose have smell? How does a rose have red color? Air is not red. Water is not red. The earth is not red. It's brown. The sun is not red. Where does the color come from on a banana? Where does the shape come from? Where does anything come from? So when the women are going to cook for, for Rosh Hashanah and they're using spices, right, each spice has a different taste. But if you, if you would go down to the earth that the spice came from and put the earth in your mouth, it has no taste. And the water has no taste. And the air has no taste. And the sun has no taste. So where does taste come from? Where does color come from? Where does the shape of the things that we eat come from? Must be. It can't come from the four elements that make it grow because water and earth and all these things have no shape. And they have no color and they have no taste and they have no smell. Means that the four elements give the ability for everything to grow. But they had to be created in the first place with a smell and a taste and a color. So Hashem, there has to be six days of creation. Once you realize this creation, there has to be a creator. When you walk into a building... There's a building, there has to be a builder. Now, you may have a lot of questions. Who's Hashem? What's Hashem? I really don't care. He created the world. He's my father. What came before him, where he comes from, makes absolutely no difference in my life. The same way my goldfish, when I walk out every morning and I feed it, it has no idea where I'm going to work. It doesn't know how well I did in school. It doesn't know nothing about me because it's a goldfish. Maybe it has questions. Like, where's Wallerstein going? I don't know. I don't think so. To goldfish. But what's the difference to the goldfish where I'm going? The most important thing to the goldfish is I change the water and I give it to eat. So all these questions people have on Hashem, it's just to get away from Hashem. It's just to do whatever you want. Because you don't need the answer to the question. If there's a creator, there's creation, then there's a creator. And if there's a creator, then there's something way above us because we can't even create anything. We could take things that he gave us and make them into something, but we cannot create Anything. So, Rosh Hashanah, if you look at the Svarim, is the day that you give Hashem the Malchus. It's not a day, you don't say Achet, you don't say Hashamnu, you don't ask for forgiveness to Rosh Hashanah, it's Malchus. Rosh Hashanah, you make God your father, Vino Malkeinu, my father, my king. Why do you need both? What's wrong with just being your father? 
isn't that a nicer relationship? And the answer is that if I have a poor father that has no connections, it's very nice he's my father, but he can't do nothing. But if he's my father and he's the king, then he can do everything. So he has to be both. If he's Malkenu and he's not Avinu, maybe he don't like me. If he's Avinu and he's not Malkenu, maybe he doesn't have the power to help me. But he's Avinu Malkenu. And that's Rosh Hashanah. Not Achet. And that's what the Rambam is telling us. The Rambam is telling us that Hashem loves you and that you need to work on this relationship in the next two days that when you show up in the courtroom and Hashem says, oh, that's Malka, Malka's my daughter. And the son's like, okay, next, because it's not going to work. The, king, the king's daughter, the father is the judge. He's not going to win. He knows that. He's just going to say continue. And everyone should know that you all have the power of tefillah. You don't need to be Wallerstein. You don't need to be a Ben Shushan. You don't need to be a Rav Chaim. You can be the plainest Jew in the world. Your prayer to Hashem, if it comes purely from your heart, is the most important thing that a person can do. So I told you I'm going to end up with a story. There's a story, there was someone called Rabbi Levi Yitzchak Mebaditcha, was a big Rebbe, and he always saw the good in every Jew. And one Yom Kippur, he was praying for the Chazan, he was about to look, and they used to watch him, because if he was happy on Yom Kippur, they knew they are going to have a good year. If he was very down on Yom Kippur, they were very nervous. This year, they never saw him in such depression. He was davening, he wasn't smiling, he wasn't singing anything, he wasn't singing by Kaddish. Something was very, very wrong. And the people in Baditchev were very, very scared. And towards the end of Ne'ilah, a few minutes left, a man walked in to the back of the shul. A peasant from the farm. He was dressed, probably didn't keep him kipper. Probably didn't keep him kipper. Dressed like he came straight from the farm. He wasn't in shul the whole Yom Kippur. He sits down in the back towards the end of Ne'ilah, has a sitter, opens the sitter, puts it on the desk, doesn't even look at it, starts mumbling, just mumbling to himself. Nobody's paying attention. They don't even look at him. The guy was, didn't, probably didn't even keep him kipper, whatever it is. All of a sudden, the Rebbe starts to dance, singing Kaddish, like the sun came out. Okay, Yom Kippur's over. Everyone goes up to eat. Then they come to the Rebbe to get brachas, to get the sukkahs. The Rebbe, what happened? A whole Yom Kippur, he was so depressed. This guy walks in and mumbles something, and you're dancing. He says, I saw in Ruch HaKodesh, the whole Tila, the whole Yom Kippur, that there was a very bad Zerah against the people of Baditchev that we were going to be massacred. Not only us, but the villages around us. And as much as I prayed, and as much as you prayed, and you fasted, and everything you did, Shemayim was closed. The, the wall... Of, of steel, of iron, and none of our tools would go through. They were just bouncing off like pebbles. So this man, this peasant, walks in. He says, and I saw in Ruch HaKodesh what he was saying. You know what he was saying, everybody? He said to Hashem, God, I don't know how to read. I never went to yeshiva. I don't know how to read. I don't know how to put words and letters together. But my father taught me the Aleph Beis. That's all I know. So here I go. Aleph Beis, Gimel, Dalit, Hey, Bob, Zayin, Ches, Tes, Yud, Kof, Lom, Nem, Nun, Samach, Ayin, Pei, Fei, Tzadik, Kuf, Reishin, Tov, Stuff. Ooh, Ah, O, E, A, S. Hashem, I don't know how to put this together, but you do. So take my Aleph Beis and my vowels 
and you make a tefillah out of it. And Rav Levi said that when Hashem heard this from this poor guy who knew nothing, who gave his whole heart up, Hashem put the olive base together with the vowels and made a tefillah out of it that busted the wall to pieces and the gzir was gone. Allah has come of a comma, surely a person who could read. What power you have, but it's got to come from your heart. It's got to come for no reason. I don't need this, and I don't need this, Hashem. I don't need anything. I need you. I just need you. Shechaylas ahava ani. That's all Shlomo Melech said. Just tell God, I love you. I just need you. And if that's your prayer, you don't even have to tell him what you need. Because if my daughter says, Ta, I just need you. I love you, Dad. More than anything else in the world, I'll take care of what she needs. She don't need to tell me. I'll ask her what do you need. She won't have to ask me. That's what the Rambam says. It's good to have a good lawyer. It's good to say, okay, and you need to do that. But that's not a guarantee. You want a guarantee? Love Hashem. Have a relationship with Hashem. So when you walk into that courtroom on Rosh Hashanah, he says, that's my daughter, that's my son. Leave them alone, Sutton, or I'll rip your head off. Sutton doesn't want to get his head ripped off yet. That's for sure. May we all be zaychet to see the Sutton's head ripped off. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.